the 905s, whoever you are, this is Schwa Wars. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Hayes, alongside with Jordan Lloyd for this very special episode. Uh, of course, you know, this is a very special two-part episode. Originally, we were just going to be doing our review of the Snyder Director's Cut edition of the Justice League that just aired uh, last Thursday, uh, as you're listening to this one week ago on HBO Max. Uh, but of course, a couple of days ago, it was actually WWE Fastlane. Uh, but as we're recording this, it literally just ended like 10 minutes ago. So, you know. So we're going to be talking about it like it just happened. Exactly. So if it sounds a little bit weird, and of course, you know, mentioning Raw or NXT and all that other type of stuff, anything that's happened since, we clearly don't know about it. So who knows? Maybe the entire WrestleMania card has changed. But of course, we'll get to that when Maybe we Maybe more of this terrible show will have more content. <laughs> Um, this was definitely, when it comes to the reviews, like something good and then something, well, not so good. Right. You, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's, let's just kind of jump right into our very first thing, um, when it comes to the Justice League. Um, of course, the 2017 review we did a couple weeks ago, which you can find in the archives. Uh, if you want to be able to check that out, you're more than welcome to over on, um, you know, uh, anchor.fm slash Schwaworth Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, all that jazz. And of course, like I said, the, the film itself does not really live up to, you know, what we expected to, and more or less, it didn't, you know, age very well either. This what? film, on the other hand, that we saw just today, uh, man, you yeah. imagine they showed this in theaters? Yeah, this one eats that other one and shits it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're going to be able to kind of go more blow for blow in a sense of like what was really different compared to me, because uh, I have the intention span of a goldfish sometimes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like in all, well, you have the better recall when it comes to movies. Like everybody knows that you'll see a movie once in theaters and be able to quote it 35 years later. Oh, that's fair. Exactly. So. Um, let's talk about the things that we absolutely like. We won't go like blow for blow with this entire movie because it's four goddamn hours long. I mean, it needed to be after everything that was cut and all the backstory that they showed, but we'll get into that. What would you say were probably the highlights of this movie for you and ultimately did it live up to the hype? Well, I'd say first thing is this, this is like a masterclass in showing that what can happen if you leave... If, if you make scenes just a little bit longer and you let them play out more and you give them more time to breathe, what a difference it can make. Like, if you want, to me, this is night and day. If you watch the one from 2017 and then you watch this version, two completely different movies. I, yeah. Same storyline, but two completely different movies. Scenes that were cut to pieces in the other one are allowed to actually have room to breathe and play out. To let the scene actually evolve. The other one, you can literally tell that they took stuff that Zach shot and they just cut it up and just put little snippets in and it left out really important stuff. And even some like some of the action scenes as well. Like maybe when, one, one good example as we talked about too was like the Wonder Woman scene in the bank or wherever oh, the hell yeah, that was. That played out that played out a little bit longer in this. A little bit longer. It was a little more intense than the other version. For the most part, most of it was still there, but yeah, it definitely it was a little longer and a lot more had a lot more oomph to it. One thing I really did appreciate when it came to this film, of course, over the other one. I mean, it's going to be in a way unfair to kind of be able to judge both these movies, or at least like obviously this one is better, and there's no you know dancing around the bush or anything like that when it comes to this. Like this film is clearly the superior of the two Justice League movies. However. I feel like it's almost kind of an unfair advantage because 
A, this movie was double in length, almost, in the sense, even a little bit longer than the first film. So it obviously had a lot more chance for it to be able to breathe, for more stories to be fleshed out, more character development, more, you know, action to be actually to be able to take in place. But do but, you... Th- but for a team like the Justice League, that's, like, arguably the most recognizable superhero team in comic books, it should have been... You should have given it more time to actually be what it should have been. To make it feel like an actual epic superhero blockbuster instead of just a run-of-the-mill movie. Because we said this, but we talked about this in the other one. The 2017 version, it came out, and in a couple weeks, it was gone. Nobody talked about it anymore. It was like it was forgotten about. Which is asinine. I mean, I mean, it still lives in the hearts of many who are just still dumbfounded that movie even happened in the first place. Like but... I, I can break it down. I can break it down like this: the things that this version has over the other version. First things first. Steppenwolf's plan in this makes twice as much sense than it did in the other version. There's scenes like I said before in the in the last one we talked about. It was very clear that Darkseid was supposed to be in this movie. But they took him out and tried to rework around it to where he wasn't there, but that the plan was still the same. This explains why Steppenwolf has come to Earth. This explains what he's going to do with the Mother Boxes. This explains why it's him personally that came to Earth and not Darkseid. All of that stuff, you didn't get at all in the last movie. You got a vague, nonsensical reason of why he wanted to take over the Earth. Also, even going more so into that, the battle scene, the flashback battle scene of, like, the old, the golden age of heroes when they defended the Earth from the first Dark Side attack, that's another scene that got to play out a little bit longer. They put a little bit more beef into it. It was a lot more intense. But, played out completely differently because Dark Side was actually present in that scene. Yeah, I will. I will say, out of most of the things in the movie, of course, I quite enjoyed. That's probably the one thing I didn't enjoy, and I t- said it while I was watching the film. Is it felt like, oh, here's this epic battle of the Golden Age heroes versus Darkseid and his minions. Darkseid gets to Earth, looks like he gets his ass kicked within about three minutes, and then that's it. And then he just saunders away because Ares put an axe almost in his throat, and then he just leaves. And then he just cowered away, and then that was the end of it. it I felt like. I would have very much even accepted of like a Lord of the Rings thing where it's like the battle raged on for hours on end until finally blah, 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 blah. Instead of just making it look like Darkseid showed up, two minutes later he's out. Worst fucking invasion of all time. <laughs> I mean, fair, but like he had to lose. So, I mean, if somebody was going to take him out, well, look, mild spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Mild, I should have... Well, I probably should have prefaced that. should have that in the beginning of this, but of course. But mild spoilers... I mean, it's a flashback scene, so whatever. Darkseid gets an axe put in him by Ares, and that's how he's taken off the battlefield and his armies retreat. But, I mean, if you're going to have somebody take him out, it might as well be the fucking God of War. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I, like... I Go one, ahead. One more thing. Another thing that this one has over is this one you actually get to spend more time with each individual member of the league. Yes, absolutely. Especially Cyborg. I would probably go on, put myself out there and say that this was actually a Cyborg movie. I mean, he had the most to be able to do when it came to 
you know, the ultimate finish of the match. He the was, finish of the match. Finish of the movie. He was the most shortchanged out of all of them in the original version, the 2017 version. But this, you actually got his backstory. You got to go back and see him when he was a football star for Gotham City University. You got to see the accident that took place with him and his mother. You got to see his father struggling with the thoughts of whether he should or shouldn't use alien technology to bring his son back from the dead. I mean, he wasn't dead, but, like, to bring him back from the brink of death. And, like, you could feel his pain and, like, him struggling with the fact that, like, he didn't feel like... He felt like a monster, in a sense. Like, he felt like he probably... He also felt betrayed by his father that he did that to him. Which you never got any of that out of the old version. Yeah. I I will say, too, they really did a good job of being able to pepper in a lot of those different stories when it came to um, just the backstories and whatnot. We talked about it as well. Like, the Flash in the first movie was a complete goof. Oh, like, yeah. He like, was, he, like, don't get me wrong. He's still a goof in this movie because he's like the kind of like the doughy eye member of the group. Like, wow, I'm hanging out with Batman and whoa, I'm doing this. Like, and it shows like, he, you know, that kind of side of, you know, of Barry which, Allen. But that's like, still there. Which is still there, but, but it's not as prevalent. It's not more. It's, it's not more sake comedy for the sake of trying to make comedy. It's, it's more, more situational comedy. Exactly. Like so. the Flash will make jokes based on like things that are happening like in the situation. Like, there's a, there's a funny, I mean, our, this scene was a bit of hit and miss for me. The scene that they had with Iris when he saved her from uh, the car wreck. Right. Which I would never have guessed that was Iris until you freaking said no. that, they, they A scene that got cut from the original was, like, Barry goes for a job interview to be a dog walker, which, what the hell he would want a job like that? I have no idea. And he basically saves Iris West from a car wreck that she got hit when she her car hit a truck that wasn't paying attention. Not gonna lie, it's a bit creepy. It's a little weird. The way yeah. it played out, like he just met her forty seconds ago, and he kind of like pauses while she's in midair and like touches her face and whatnot. And like it's a bit creepy, but it's also kind of cute. Oh, and by the way, that's the last we see of her. Yeah, that's the only scene you Four have. Four hours and we don't see her. There's no, like, so, like another could, run-in or anything like that at the end of the street so at the mean, end of like, the movie. I could understand why that scene got cut, but, like, it was cool to see. But, like, I can understand why it got cut from the original because it really didn't do anything to move the story forward. Yeah. Um, Are we sure we like this movie? No, I'm joking. No, no, no. Like, I do. That's the only real thing, negative thing I've said so far. Yeah, for me, it was the whole dark side three-minute battle scene. But he comes back later. Oh, yeah, he does. He, I mean, he doesn't do, like, the... The epic th- fight that you would expect with like a Thanos or anything like that when it came but to just the Avengers. His, but just his presence when he comes back later for that very brief few minutes, there's power in it. You know what it reminded me of a lot of? It reminded me of like Star Wars a lot. Like they treated him like Emperor Palpatine. Like that right. overlording yeah. like... Who's there that you don't always see, but when you see him... He feels important and he feels scary. Yeah, and like Stephen Wolf is like the Vader in the sense of like, you know, he's subservient to him, but a badass in his own way. That wasn't, yeah, like that was another thing too. Like Stephen Wolf was seemed like was much more, well, he was a much better character in this than he was in the other one. He had, and like you said before, he had much more reasoning as to why, like, I'm invading Earth. I'm choosing this spot for the epic battle. Why? Derpity der. Like there, no. was, reason, <laughs> there was reasoning, but he there was also, he also had like a character arc. Like, again, I don't want to go too much into spoilers, but the reason why he himself comes to Earth to look for the mother boxes, like, you actually kind of feel for him in a sense. 
because like he's been ostracized from Apocalypse. But I won't go any more into that. But yeah, the fact that you get to spend more time with the league, and also you made a mention too that you actually get to have more interactions between the team members that you didn't have really before. Like there's actually important like deep conversations that like the Flash will have with Aquaman. I think they might have had like two. They might have spoken two sentences with each other in the first one. Um, Superman, the stuff with Superman basically plays out the exact same way it did in the first one. As far as, far as the way he's brought back. That suit, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a different suit. It's the, for anybody who reads comic books, you'll know the black, the black Superman suit is very... It goes with his resurrection from death, so that's in here. With the Doomsday story. Right. So the black suit is in here. Um, the end, The end battle in Russia plays out so differently. It plays out kind of similar, but it plays out so much differently than it did. Like, they took away all the crazy red, like, hell's, like, landscapes and whatnot. Like, it was just a regular, like, Russian landscape at night. What I also really appreciated, the, the, especially when it came to the finale fight, is they really utilized the aspect of they're a team, and every team member had a major role into what they each had to do right. in order to be able to do this right you know everybody had a role to play flash had a role flash had an actually very integral role to play cyborg had a very integral role to play batman was almost like the decoy and he had to get them through the gate in the first place right and wonder woman and aquaman were the 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 muscle the muscle to actually take on steppenwolf um superman when he shows up in the actual end fight so much better than the original like, obviously, minus the fact that he didn't have a crappy, digitally removed mustache. <laughs> Was waiting for that one. <laughs> but just what he says when he shows up and just the way it happens is so much more badass than the 2017 version. I will say for myself, like, and again, I'm, I'm still saying that this one is obviously far superior than the other one. But it, I felt like I was watching The Return of the King at one point. Especially with how many friggin' endings I felt like this movie actually had. So, like, you think the movie's over, and then, like, you realize you still have, like, a runtime of another 30, 35 minutes. And they have, like, this epilogue at the very end. And it just is, like, okay, it's all the scrap scenes that, like... They go back... That they possibly could have that, like, they either shot or whatever, and they just throw it in at the end. Or maybe they add a couple extra things that they wanted to, which clearly we all know with the whole Jared Leto Joker thing. But, like, it just felt like it was, like, one after another after another. And it was, like, what didn't really lead to anything specifically. And it was just kind of, like... And then when it finally ended, it was, like, oh, okay. Well, basically, there, they go back to the Nightmare universe. Like, there's another... They, they, I, th- I believe Zack said that that was the only brand new footage that he shot of the movie was the night, was the, the, the Nightmare tag that they put on at the end with the Joker. But I like that scene because I actually like that world. I mean, I said to you when we were watching it, like, give me a two-hour movie just in that world. What did you think of this version of the Leto Joker? I actually thought it was better. I, mean, I thought he was better written. I thought he acted it out. I thought he was. I thought he did the performance better. I, I liked it, and I think yeah, obviously, like I preferred the look of it, sure, because it's more psychopathic, you know, Joker instead of like you know. He looked like he was wearing a butcher's outfit with all the, like, the police over, badges with a, with and a stuff. SWAT with a SWAT vest with a bunch of dead police officer badges stuck to it. I will say, like, I just 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the fact that I've seen so many different Joker portrayals that are so in high caliber now that even with this rendition that Jared Little just did, I thought it was kind of just fell by the wayside for me. Like I felt like he was over trying. He was over trying to be like his own version of a Heath Ledger Joker and other versions and not betraying his own. And I feel like maybe it's because he didn't have a lot of time to get back into this character that he wanted to, or, you know, he was rushed into doing this again. I'm not entirely too sure. It's just, I didn't really feel like I was watching the Joker as I was someone cosplaying as the Joker. You know what I mean? That's rough. It is rough. (laughs) And I, I know, but like, it was still cool to see. And it was still like a nice little like homage. And especially when them talking with like, you know, about Harley, what happened to her and Robin and talking about the death in the family story in a sense. So right. Well, that was kind of like a nice little nod. Well, I but... mean, to put it into more context too, there's the scene, the nightmare scene in this one kind of gives more context to the nightmare scene that they did in Batman versus Superman. Cause when I saw Batman versus Superman, the nightmare scene, like, well, it was cool. It didn't, it was very confusing. It was like, what really is this supposed to be? How is this pushing that story forward? But once you see this one, that this one kind of gives more context to that one, where it's almost like this is like a timeline in the future where Darkseid has come to the Earth and is actually successful in taking over the planet. And, like, Batman has assembled, like, a ragtag, like, Mad Max team of, like, whatever's left of the Earth's heroes and actually some villains, which I won't name because that's a spoiler. Yeah. Um, we, I don't really want to give away one major spoiler when it comes to returns or debuts when it came well, to there, somebody. Well, I'll say one thing. There, I know what you're talking about. There is a debut. He, oh, it's a he. I guess I'll say that. That's all I'll say. There's a character that has been talked about. Came out of left field when we saw it. That has never happened. It's a, He's in a couple of scenes. Do I think it was necessary? No. No, it wasn't <laughs> necessary. Now, if they actually... If they expanded on the universe... If they pulled the trigger and they decided to do a Justice League 2, then it was definitely necessary. Because the scenes he was in were basically... Were almost like setting up the next movie. Yeah, a lot of foreshadowing. But it was, but this was obviously filmed three years ago, back when Zack thought he was going to get to make another movie, which he still might. Depends on the fanfare of this one. That was actually going to be one of my next questions. Uh, would, well, two-parter. Would you want to see a second movie um, based on the same cast, same whatever? And do you think that if it were to happen, do you think it would still have the amount of, you know, legs and, like, kind of oomph and, you know, fanfare that this it would have in order to make it to the theaters and whatnot after the success of this movie and how well it does for HBO Max. If if you were to ask me that question three years ago, I would have said no. Well, because, I think everybody would have said no. Because after the tepid reception that Batman vs. Superman had, after the tepid reception that Suicide Squad had, and then after the really tepid reception that the 2017 cut of Justice League had... I think people were just burnt out. They didn't really want another Justice League. But now, with how well people have responded to this and with how actually good of a movie this is, yes, I want to see a sequel. And yes, I think it would actually have legs. I think actually this gave a a nice booster shot into the DC Cinematic Universe that it needed. That it sorely needed. I agree. Uh, There is a lot of things that I did... 
Like I said before, when it came to some of the casting roles, uh, I'll just end on this before we give our final thoughts. Some of the casting roles for this, I still appreciate. Like I said, Jared Little, eh, with his, for me, is the Joker. But again, that's just because we've had so many high-caliber people play this character that like their benchmark is so high at this point to be able to even come close. Um, for myself, like I really like uh, Henry Cavill. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. I really like him as a look of Superman. I wish he wasn't as brooding, but I get why it's the way he's written. But, like, as a look, I love his look as Superman. Now, I will say, in regards to Superman, temper your expectations about seeing a lot of him in the movie. Whatever. <laughs> he's really he's really not in the movie a lot. I mean, again, it's the same thing as the other version. If this was Batman versus Superman and I saw less of Superman like we did today, uh, okay, I would be like, uh, what? However, what you do get out of him... They maximize. Yeah. But go ahead. I Like I said, so I feel like the casting for a lot of the people that they had for this movie was very good. And, like, I can see them as long-term roles. I mean, of course, you know, Gal Gadot um, with her role as Wonder Woman. It's just, you know, she is Wonder Woman when a lot of people didn't think that she would be able to right. sustain that role. So, I mean, like, it's going to be very interesting in the future based on the success of these characters and these movies. If moving forward, that a lot of these people are going to be considered for future roles in these iconic uh, characters. You know what I'm trying to say? So right. overall, though, uh, like I said, my opinion, my thoughts on the movie, a really great movie. I will say, because I'm not such a big person when it comes to memory-wise and being able to go back and like remember everything that happened, it's very necessary, at least in my opinion, if you're a casual viewer... Go back and watch Batman versus Superman again because that will help you before seeing this movie. If I didn't uh, have Jordan in my ear at one point, then I probably would be lost a few times. Um, but of course, you know, with him, he remembers you know everything that happened when he was one year old. So, um, I, like I said, a fantastic movie. If you got time to watch it in one sitting, do it. I think it's very necessary to see it in one sitting. Uh, if you don't have that option. Try to make time. Um, Jordan, what about you? Final thoughts before we uh, well, end this part of the review. Well, a couple more quick things. I want to actually touch on a couple more quick things. The music in this movie is awesome. I actually think the soundtrack in this one is ten times better than the 2017 version. Which goes to show you, like, say what you want about Zack Snyder as, as, a, as, a, as a filmmaker or not. But his movies always have awesome soundtracks. Like, whether you look at 300, whether you look at Man of Steel, whether you look at uh, Batman vs. Superman even had a great soundtrack in it. Music sometimes can be key to making a scene that much better. Like, the see, there's a scene where the League actually talks to Gordon on a roof. The music that they use in that just makes that work so much better. But yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, this is night and day. Two, the, these two movies could not be completely different from each other. See this movie if you get a chance by whatever means necessary you have. I'll stop hitting what I'm hitting right now because it's bothering the mic. <laughs> um, yeah, don't sleep on this. See it. If you're a fan of DC, you're going to love this. If you're a casual fan of DC, I think you're still going to love it. If you hated the other one, you'll feel vindicated by actually watching this. Yeah, definitely give this a chance and see it. It needs to be seen. 
Exactly. So, of course, you know, that's going to be our opinions of, you know, Justice League, the Snyder Director's Cut Edition that just recently aired on HBO Max. Uh, if you don't have HBO Max, I'm sure there's other ways that you can be able to find it, let's be honest. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just try to be able to give it a shot. You know, make sure you're sitting somewhere very comfortable <laughs> because, again, it's four hours long. So, I mean, a lot of people are kind of used to that in this day and age when it comes to long movies. But anyways, I am rambling. We're going to take a quick time out right now, go to one of our sponsors. And on the other side, we're going to be talking WWE Fastlane and giving our amazing review of this uh, debacle of a pay-per-view. So uh, we'll see you uh, when we see you. So give it a second. I could talk about that movie for an hour. <laughs> Hi there guys, my name is Justin Gilmet, but I'm also known as Gilmy where most places I go. I do a podcast called Gilmy Talks. It's all about talking to interesting people and having a good time while doing it. I have been interviewing people all the way back in 2016. Yes, I know, I'm old. But in that time, I have talked to some great people. And why don't join me on the on the ride? And I just want to say thank you very much to Adam Hayes for letting me on his show. Thanks, guys, and hopefully I talk to you soon. All right, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, uh, we want a big, big thank you to our uh, sponsor, Gilmy, from uh, Gilmy Talks. Uh, you know, big fan of his show. Make sure you go check them out. Always a good friend of the podcast and, of course, has been on the podcast as well. I'm sure you'll hear his voice in the future. Uh, but right now we're going to be talking WWE Fastlane um, that just recently happened over on the WWE Network or on Peacock for those uh, fans in the States. You know, jealous, kind of. I don't know. But anyways, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> let's let's, let's uh, wrap this pay-per-view up because, honestly... We, the last couple of pay-per-views, WWE's kind of been on a pretty good roll. Like Rumble was fantastic, Elimination Chamber had its moments and it was pretty good. This sucked. <laughs> this remember the old pay-per-view? I think it was called Roadblock, right? Before WrestleMania, I think they had one in Toronto or whatever with yeah. Ambrose and Triple H. Yeah. Like this was just like a roadblock in like us being able to like get to WrestleMania fluently. And it's fine. It is what it is. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll say this. I said it sucked. It didn't. It doesn't suck. But this was a big letdown. It's not even just a big letdown. It's just so many things happened that, especially one thing in particular that we'll get to, really hurt the presentation, the product, and hurt the company as an actual wrestling business. Especially for someone like myself who's been in wrestling and has had to make decisions on the fly. Uh, like working, you know, on at ringside before, and of course with you being a, a lifelong fan yourself, like automatically we can come up with because you know we're marks clearly, and we can be able to come up with like ideas right off the top of our heads. But again, we'll get to that in a second. Let's kind of run things down. Uh, for of course we had the pre-show matchup. It was the United States Championship between Riddle, no such thing as Matt, uh, defeating Mustafa Ali uh, from Retribution. It's so actually re- crazy that this was one of the best matches on the show. I agree, and it what? was on. The with a suit, with a super up finish too. He hit that. Uh, what's it called? The, the Bro Derek off the second rope. I will keep wanting to call it the Bro Down. I don't know why. It's funny. <laughs> you call it the Bro Down. <laughs> uh, he hit that. You know his finisher off the second rope, and then like pinned Ali. Uh, again, as you said, pretty good matchup. One of the highlights of the entire pay per view. 
and then ultimately ending with uh, Ali throwing a little temper tantrum in the ring, and Retribution mm-hmm. just decides to flake kick, out, uh, kick him out. Yeah, and they just you left him high and dry, and they're like, "No, we don't need to take this abuse," and just they didn't just, just leave, left. They didn't just leave him high and dry. They're well, yeah, they left him high. Dropped him. Well, a couple of them left him high and dry, and then you know, two of the the two big men decided to double choke slam him into oblivion. So yeah, they dropped his ass. You know, as much as this uh, this faction has been you know oh so favored in the minds of many fans, and uh, will be remembered by a lot of young fans. Like I grew up with Retribution. Uh, poor kids, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just um, the faction needs to go away. The, also, the faction—the fact that it died on a pre-show before <laughs> a mania—just kind of shows you where it is, which is really a shame because there's some credible people in that faction that could be good given the possibility. Obviously, um, that's why they need to no longer be handcuffed by this crummy faction. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future when it comes to that. Let's talk about the main card, though. Our opening matchup was for the Women's Tag Team Championship match. It was Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending their tag team titles with Reginald, of course. You know, got to throw him in there for some ungodly reason. Uh, taking on Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, who, of course, will be challenging each other at this coming WrestleMania for the, the SmackDown old, Women's Championship. The old trope of the WrestleMania opponent's Teaming up to take on the tag team champions. Yep, and of course they're like pseudo baby faces. We're like, oh, we like each other, but we are going to have to fight each other. But we're going to have challenge for the tag titles. And then, you know, ultimately we're going to have a miscommunication. And lo and behold, there. oh, look what happened. Miscommunication. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. Like, even, like I said, it's an old trope that they like to be able to use. They go to the well a lot when it comes to this, like, what, every, like, three years it feels like they yeah, do this I or mean, so. The, the match was fine. Yeah, um, there was nothing really wrong with the match. Yeah, the match was fine. I mean, you had the usual, the baby faces, their egos were getting the best of them, that they couldn't control themselves. And then, yeah, there's the communication breakdown that led to... Uh, Shane and Nia Jax retaining the tag titles. Now, what happened after this? Ah, yes. What happened after this? I have a problem with. Well, you want to go right ahead and just go ahead then. So they're Sasha and Bianca are obviously they're they're getting into it in the ring, obviously because they just lost. Bianca doesn't really want to be losing at all going into WrestleMania because it just makes her look bad, which she's right. What well, duh. Um, <laughs> so. While they're arguing, Sasha, like, would, like, push her in the head, like, a couple of times. And then she just full-on smacked her. And then she just left. Yep. Bianca didn't do anything. She got smacked and just let her leave and did nothing. She just stood there and like, okay. Okay, I see how it is. I'll see you at WrestleMania. That's fine. No. that's It's that, not fine. That's Based whole... on your character and your personality, you'd be like, a she bitch. She should have dropped that bitch. Or, like, topeed out of the ring. I would have been okay with that. Yeah, but she didn't do anything. Like, I get, like, taking the high ground, but not after somebody just slaps you in the face. Especially with the personality of a Bianca Belair, where it's like, no, bitch, I'm the best. I'm the EST, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You don't disrespect. You don't disrespect me. And, of course, Sasha can pull that card as well. Especially. Her calling herself the boss and everything. Right, so. and especially after the story that they've been telling for weeks has been that Sasha's ego has been costing Bianca matches. But no, that didn't seem to matter. They just, she's left, which I'll never understand that, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. What didn't seem to matter was the finish of the next match. 
<laughs> That's my segue for this one. It was for the Intercontinental Championship between uh, Big E defending his title against Apollo Crews. Of course, Apollo Crews recently turned heel, has his whole Nigerian gimmick that he's been doing right now. Uh, Big E, fire under his ass right now as the Intercontinental Champion, doing some good stuff. One of the matches I was very interested to go into and see this. Um, unfortunately, it led to one of the probably the most crummiest finishes I can remember in quite some time. <laughs> And ultimately, it's not even the fact that it made both guys look bad. It made the company look really bad. Because it made them like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> Did something happen? Oh, well, Corey Graves, you got to say something. Oh, well, it looks like Apollo's the last man standing. <laughs> okay, but who won? My- we- Michael Cole didn't even know who won. Like, if this was the Rumble 05, Vince McMahon would have stormed out here and tore both his quads trying to get a finish to this match. Yeah. But... I'm jumping ahead here. Like I said, the match itself was good intensity, good aggression all the way through. And then, of course, we had the the the, the ending of it where it looked like some sort of a roll-up or some sort of a miscommunication with a powerbomb or something. And both, it looked like, what was it, Big E's shoulders were down. Referee goes one, two, stops. And then they, it, and then then they it, kind it, of readjusted. And it, normally it's because, like, oh, a shoulder's up and then they get it back down. But no, the shoulders were down the entire time. We rewound it. We looked at it. One, two, three. But they both, like, go with a small package they right like, on three. Right on three. Bell rings. And then Apollo's music Apollo music plays. And then the referee jumps out of the ring going, uh, I don't want to be involved. And it just <laughs> leaves. And then, and then Apollo, the commentators were arguing about what actually even happened. And then Apollo beats the crap out of Big E for another, what, three and a half minutes, hitting like angle slam after angle slam, yeah. and then just puts his boot on his face and then leaves. And it's like, all right. We got we didn't even get a we didn't even get an announcement from the ring announcer about who won the match. We had to find out from going to Twitter. From WWE's Twitter page. And then a random graphic saying, and still Intercontinental Champion Big E. And then e. it said, at what cost? <laughs> At the cost of our sanity. Like I said, I just I don't get it. Like, okay, maybe it wasn't the finish you were supposed to have. Maybe Biggie wasn't supposed to lose the title or whatever. But with all due respect, if this shit happened on the indies, if this shit happened anywhere else, they would have rolled with it. You have to roll with it at that point. His shoulders are calm to the mat. A three count happened. Music hit. You have to roll with it, and you got to figure out the story later on. Or... As I suggested to you, you could have thought of something on the fly. The first thing I thought of, like, again, I'm not some superior booker. I'm not going to say that I know everything, but I like to think that I would have known what to do maybe possibly quickly in that situation, given the fact that we've had situations in Ontario where lots of stuff have happened on the fly and you got to be able to recorrect it to get back to the story that you want. So if you want Big E, (coughs) as I'm going to edit that out... (laughs) If you want Big E to be able to still be Intercontinental Champion after all that, then have the finish where it's all fuckery. It looks like Apollo just won. And then Apollo is still so incensed with him, beats the crap out of him, keeps going after the bell. The referee's trying to call it off like, hey, you won, stop. But Apollo's just so pissed off. He's, you know, just trying to, you know, like, you know, trying to make a mockery out of me, saying I'm bad or whatever, saying I have to, like, stay in catering, and just doesn't care that he won the Intercontinental Championship. 
Ultimately, the ref reverses the decision because he's not listening and dis, you know ultimately disqualifies him. And then that way you can lead to Biggie saying, "Hey, I'm still the Intercontinental Champion, whatever." And then you can have Apollo saying, "No, this is bullshit. I was Intercontinental Champion. I got screwed. This is controversial. They're trying to hold me back like they've done for the last ten years that I've been in this company. Give me my rematch." And you have some stipulations, you know, schmoz thing at WrestleMania, and it sets up both guys perfectly. I mean, it's the Shamrock effect. It's the Ken Shamrock rock effect that they pretty much did from the entire year of 1998. <laughs> so, I mean, like, again, I'm no special book or anything like that, but it's something, at least something on the top of my head while I was watching. I'm like, do this. Just just do this. Just kind of go with it. But no, like, WWE is very much like we have to stick to what we have. And if we go off that grid, it's not like people can just work on the fly anymore. It's like, oh, uh. Just leave. Next segment. Just pretend <laughs> just, like it never happened. Just leave. I'm I'm di- <coughs> I'm disappointed. This was one of this was one of probably the three matches on this card that I was really really looking forward to because the build for it has been great. I like Apollo's new heel character, and like it 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 makes me scared now. But what's going to happen to it that now he already has a loss on his record? With a brand new gimmick that he was getting heat with, that he was getting momentum with. Oh, no, he didn't get a loss. There was no finish. (laughs) There was technically no winner, no loser. Well, I'm I'm just saying to them. He was the last man standing after all. Sure. (laughs) I'm just saying to them now, they've marked it as a loss. Or at least do last man standing at WrestleMania now between the two of them since you threw that out there. Then you know what? I think they should. But yeah, I'm very disappointed in how this went down. Yeah, well, the disappointment keeps on going with this pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, next matchup on the card was a singles match. It was supposed to be Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman, but we obviously knew that wasn't going to happen. So so Shane McMahon feigned a knee injury beforehand while he was practicing I the mean, ring. we don't know that, but he, he feigned an injury. it's basically what happened. He feigned an injury, whatever, classic heel shit, I don't yeah. care. Ultimately, it led to a match with Elias... With uh, your favorite at ringside, Jackson uh, Jackson Riker, formerly known as Gunner. So, what was taking really, on Braun Strowman? What was really funny about that was Shane's comes out of the trainer's room in a backstage segment. Of Elias walks up to him and he's like, "I got this great pitch for WrestleMania." He's like, "I'm gonna perform in front of fans." He's like, "I've never done that before. It's never happened. Pretty sure he's done it like three times." <laughs> I said that I have the memory of a goldfish, but like, I, I'm not that dumb. Like, I remember so at least. Shane, that. So Shane's like, you know what? I got a great idea, and he gets him out of the ring, and that's where he drops the bomb on him. That, yep, you're replacing me against Braun Strowman. Yeah. But what didn't make any sense was Braun Strowman comes out here. They show the footage from Monday of him getting embarrassed by Shane. And then he still struggles to beat Elias for at least another seven minutes. Well, no. The match went, according to this, three minutes and 50 seconds. It felt way longer than that. It did feel longer than that. It felt like this match should have been like, boom, 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 done. Like, I I get you still want the squash at least, and you want to give... Well, you got to give Elias, you know, a couple moves here after all. But it's just... Ah. This this segment could have been used for Raw. They could have promoted this match for Raw. And then the same thing could have happened... And then something else could have given a little bit more time, or like you in, know, in one night I could so have had far, a Snickers commercial or something. In one night so far, we've already had a match with a messed up finish that they couldn't even tell us who won, and then we have a match that was advertised that didn't even happen. Back to back, back like to that. back. 
Uh, next matchup on the card was a singles matchup between Seth Rollins taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. Very excited to see these two in the ring. Obviously, both of these guys, as we know, can go. Um, match ultimately went 12 minutes, 55 seconds, ultimately ending with Seth Rollins getting the win over Nakamura. I believe this is setting up between Rollins and Cesaro at WrestleMania, which if that's the case, good on Cesaro because it's a good high profile for him at Mania. But obviously, you know, Nakamura, that means it's cannon fodder in that situation, which I don't like. But um, the man of a thousand suits, you know, ultimately gets the victory. So my God, he should use that moniker. <laughs> at the end of the year, I want at the end of the year, I want to have like a tally count of how many different suits he's worn on SmackDown. The same. The one thing I will say about this match is, with two great talents, by the end of it, right now, I'm trying to remember, and I can't think of a single spot. It's very like it kind of happened and it's over, and I don't like that. The fact that it's between two A plus caliber athletes in the ring, like a Rollins and Nakamura, and I'm honestly sitting here struggling, probably because of all the crap we had to deal with. That it's already it's clouded my judgment up until this think, point. Do you think it's because of that, and also because of the fact that they came into this one a little bit cold? I mean that, yeah, with like what a three three day build, pretty much basically, going into this. Yeah, basically. I mean, they did come into it pretty cold, and I mean, we were coming off of two very terrible matches. My, my, you know, not, yeah, okay, two very terrible matches before this. I mean, that probably didn't help. No. But, I mean, like, I remember a couple things. I'm like, Rollins did this sick spot where he went, I think he, like, went for a knee. And, like, he stopped midway and, like, rested his leg on, like, Nakamura's thigh and came back with, like, an enziguri in the back of his head. Oh, the rewind kick, yeah. Yeah, like, that was cool. And then the stomp came very pretty much after that. But, yeah, I'm actually, now that you mentioned it, I'm struggling to actually remember a lot of significant spots from that match, too. Well, that that's our, that's our opinion on that, then. So, <laughs> Rollins gets the victory over Nakamura. And, again... Wish I could remember more, but derbity der. Uh, <laughs> next matchup on the card was a no holds barred matchup between uh, Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Went 19 minutes 40 seconds, according to Wikipedia, the ultimate source of everything truth. Um, good brawl, good solid like I was action. Enter- yeah, I was entertained. By I was this. entertained. Sheamus apparently can survive death and then came <laughs> back. That's the only thing I was a little confused about. I mean, like, do these guys have been wrestling each other for, like, the last few weeks, like, on Raw and on pay-per-view? And off and on for 20 years, apparently. Right. So, like, they obviously have chemistry. They're well, it's well documented that they're very close friends since the start of their careers. Yeah, this is what you would expect. It's like a great physical brawl. Like, I, I said, I think I said to you and I think I said to Josh a few weeks ago, like, I can watch these guys wrestle each other every night. And, of course, you know, with the kendo sticks. Yes, but the fact that they use kendo sticks, I hate kendo sticks because I feel they're overused, but these guys will lay into each other with them, which they did. They got the welts on their back to prove it. Yeah, and of course, these guys went through like hell and back. Like I said, I made the joke earlier about Seamus pretty much surviving death. Yeah, going through th- going through the LED screens of the people and yeah, those people were probably pissed that their feeds went down. Yeah, their fireworks all explode and stuff like that. But of course, that wasn't the finish. And then of course, we saw a white noise off the apron through a table. That wasn't the finish. Through the announce, it was off the barricade through the announce table. Yep. Uh, match obviously still continues because modern wrestling. Well, no, well, modern wrestling. It was not false count anymore. Yeah, no, that's true. It wasn't. If it uh, had been false count anymore, oh, yeah, it might have ended. Yeah, but. Ultimately, of course, Claymore kick, one, two, three. But I did like that they actually, something that they, I don't think I've ever seen before, that they used a piece of the broken announce table in the finish of the match. Yeah. 
I was like, that was, I thought that was creative. I've never seen that done before. Hit the Future Shock DDT on Sheamus on that piece of table, then hit the Claymore, and he was down. I mean, I missed that finish. I was getting chicken wings for myself, but yeah. Fair. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I mean, of course, this. What means... about the war paint? What about the Scottish? Oh, war the war paint, paint was the war paint, paint was great. It was lovely. Um, the only thing I kind of wish is the fact that maybe he would have saved that for a WrestleMania look because that's. I mean, I get why because he's going into battle against one of his you know former best friends, so I get it. But like, right? Um, I mean, they were pumping the whole time. They're like, is Drew going to make it to WrestleMania? Well, no. Uh, it, guys, it's already guaranteed he's going like to WrestleMania. You know he's going to get to WrestleMania. The, the only thing I would have wished for something like this, especially for the feud, is like, what's the reason for Sheamus to have this match? Oh, because he likes to fight fella? Like, that's it. And because of their history, who gives a shit? And this was like back in the old style. This would have been like, oh, you're going to WrestleMania? All right, I'll fight you. Put your title shot on the line. Make it a, Even though if we already know Drew's going to go... Make it a little bit interesting. Throw the stipulation in. It makes sense for the character for wanting something like that. I mean, yeah, I'll go with that. That would have been interesting if they had done that. But, I mean, yeah, because they basically went into this with the fact that Seamus was just saying that I'm just going to make the rest of your life a living hell every time I see you. Which, that's fine. But, yeah, I can I can agree with that. It probably would have given a little bit more flavor had he actually put the title shot on the line. Yeah, that's fair. Next matchup. Oh, boy can't wait for this one it's the intergender matchup that randomly happened on this card between uh well not randomly it's been building for quite some time uh randy orton and alexa bliss i was i was just we were we were banking and like this has got to be cinematic like this has to be like it it, it wasn't i was curious about cinematic in nature but it was live (laughs) i was curious about how they were gonna do this because obviously we all know because obviously we all know the nature of how the company operates now. They're a publicly traded company, so they can't have physical violence of men abusing women. Obviously, so we're like, how the hell are they going to do this? Uh, I mean, they used a lot of they used a lot of tricks. I mean, some of them were cool. Some of them were, were kind of lame. Pyro, fire. Pyro coming up out of like Randy would charge Alexa and then the camera angle would change so you couldn't see the ring and then fire would just shoot up in front of Orton where it's like okay that's clearly a fixed camera angle or the lights falling down from the side from the side I I actually thought that was kind of cool like Alexa would look up and then when Orton would move on her like a yeah a lighting truss fell right in front of him so they'd use little tricks like that she threw a fireball at him at one point but I mean obviously what I kind of suspected would happen that I didn't think you said you didn't think was going to happen. I didn't know. Um, we got the fiend after weeks of teasing. We finally got the fiend back burnt up fiend. Yeah. We got burnt to a crisp fiend, which I, I dig it. I actually thought it looked cool. Yeah. Um, he's all, he's all melted. The mask is like melted into his face. Like his hands were all like gooey and like pus covered from like all the blisters and burns. His attire's changed. Yep. Hit the sister Abigail and Alexa Bliss while straddling him. Wins. <laughs> Beats Randy Orton, 14-time world champ. Yeah. Alexa Bliss better be getting a world title shot after this. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, she should be next in line after Mania after this win. Um, yeah. I mean, they stand tall at the end of Fastlane, which kind of tells me, I'm like, okay, well, clearly we're going for Wyatt and Orton again at WrestleMania, which is fine because, you know times have changed and the story and everything else. But like, 
I'm just really interested to see. I mean, we know this is going to be a Firefly Funhouse match. Right. This is going to be another going down memory lane matchup between Randy Orton. I wonder if they're going to like, if Orton's going to be like in some like, what's the, what, what's the thing I'm trying to think of? Not like a time warp, like a, oh, that's the show. Uh, What's like do 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 oh, Twilight Zone. Yeah, but it's gonna be like a freaking like thing, like the Twilight Zone. Like he's gonna obviously like go through the stages of his career and like through the Twilight Zone and all that stuff, and stuck in this Firefly Funhouse, he's gonna find John Cena there. Like I'm still stuck here. <laughs> I've been here. Fucking <laughs> here. Help me, Orton. Get me out of here. <laughs> you're like you're gonna die in here too. <laughs> you know what? That's really funny. <laughs> like I gotta hope like an empty space void or some <laughs> shit like that. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to with this matchup at WrestleMania. But yeah, as we said, you oh, know, we'll, Alex, we'll see Randy News Network, Randy Orton. We'll oh. see Evolution, Randy Orton. Yep. Go through all the, all the we'll different We'll see stages. Janitor Randy Orton. Yeah. With his, with, his, <laughs> with, his, with his night vision goggles. I mean, uh, I honestly don't care. I mean, I know some people probably think it's goofy, but, like, the stuff they've been doing has been honestly some of the most entertaining stuff to me on it, Monday nights. It's goofy, yeah, but you got to think about, too. If the under... And this hate hurts me to say. If The Undertaker came along now, this is what they would be doing. Probably. Like, they didn't have the budget. They didn't have the whatever, which is good. In a sense, because Undertaker was at least able to somewhat be somewhat sensible, even though he's a dead man, uh, you know, living in the graveyard and stuff like that, making coffins for Yokozuna. But if he was around nowadays, all the fucking shit they would be throwing at him nowadays even more than ever. So, like, I get it. It's just the times have changed. The writing has changed. The booking has changed. So I I get it. I like it because at least they've established the rules of the fiend and how it works. They didn't do, they didn't do that before. So it was kind of like, well, why does he have supernatural powers as a purist though? To me, it still kind of pisses me off. Not the supernatural powers. Cause I get it. Occasionally there's a character that does it. It's just the over cinematic nature, the music with it, the bad camera cuts where you're like, Oh, we're supposed to pretend this is real guys. Like, we're just going to cut after this match back to Booger T. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, that was real. That totally fucking happened. And it's like, no, it didn't, Booker. That totally didn't happen, actually. That's so high-level bullshit you're trying to sell me on a platter. I was like, oh, I, okay. That's fair. That's it? That's- well, I mean, that's fair. But, like, again, I like it. It's To me, it's been one of the best stories that they've told in the last year. Because they've actually taken, they've actually done a long form story. Like they don't do these anymore. No. Like they don't tell like almost year long stories to actually get to WrestleMania. And of course, this feud's been going back even longer than that, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, it's been so. going on, been going on for, for almost the past like almost five years. With so. stuff they've been doing with the So again, like I like, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well. The last thing on the card was our main event of the evening for the Universal Championship. For the record, so glad that didn't go on last. Uh, <laughs> uh, Universal Championship match. Edge was the special guest enforcer as Roman Reigns defended his championship against Daniel Bryan, who was going to fight Re- Edge at WrestleMania. Well, we found out, and um, it was Roman Reigns. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just take the reel on this one? Well, I mean, the match was great. I mean, obviously, they had the story that they had coming into this was obviously very simple. It was, it was Ken Daniel Bryan tap out Roman Reigns, and he did. <laughs> he did. He 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 tapped him ever oh so lightly with two fingers, but it counted. It was Ro- Roman 
that told him like I'm, I'll I'll die in the ring before you tap me out. So like that was the story that was coming into this, which I actually like the fact that they they used submissions like Brian constantly going back to submissions over and over and over and over again to kind of beat home that fact that he was trying to make him tap out. And the fact that he wasn't showing any fear is like, bitch, we're going to get to the ground eventually no, and we're yeah. going to, and we're eventually going to get stuck in a situation where I'm going to try and tap you. Yeah. He wasn't scared of him. He was actually toying with him a lot in the first few minutes. He had a big smile on his face. He was like hitting him with body shots and sticking and moving. Grabbing the ankle. Vince McMahon was flipping out backstage. <laughs> It's like, like God damn it, this sucks. <laughs> no, but like they took their time. They told a story. Edge for the most. Edge. They for stayed. The- they stayed out of it for the most part. Yeah, Edge and Heyman basically stayed out of it. Well, Heyman never gets involved. But- well, yeah, but like Edge stayed out of it for the most part, except like right till the very end, obviously, because like you knew he was going to get involved somehow. Well, yeah, get- ref goes down, enforcer jumps in. That's just the common common thing, right? Which ate a very dirty uh, running knee there by Daniel Bryan. Yeah, that was the rep. Ref did take a really dirty knee. Um, obviously, then of course Edge goes for the pinfall. Uh, you know, attempt one two. I believe it was Daniel Bryan kicked out at that point because it was Roman hit the spear. Right. And then he put and then Bryan put Roman back in the uh, the, yes lock. the yes lock, and then Jay Uso showed up super and super kicked, kicked Edge first. And then Brian. And then Brian, and then grabbed a chair. So the chair was key to the the chair was key to the finish of the match. Yes. So ultimately, it ended with Brian getting a hold of the chair. Uh, Roman ducks, hits Edge, kind of like an a la uh, SummerSlam '97 with the whole Taker, Michaels, and Brett thing. I didn't know what only were do only Edge you... wasn't taking a fucking chair shot to the head. Well, that's so. what I was gonna say. I didn't know if he was gonna hit him in the head or how that was gonna work, but he ended up hitting him in like the shoulder. Yeah. And he went down. And then from that, he ended up getting Roman back. Well, Roman hit a Superman punch first, but then he ended up getting back in the yes lock again. And that's where the tap out happened. And Ro- they actually sold this really well. Like, Roman started to pass out, and, like, Heyman was yelling at him, like, think of your family. And, yeah, you got, like, a little haphazard tap out with, like, his fingers. But, it's, it's still something. But it's still something. They clearly, the camera made sure to get that, too. Um, and then out of nowhere, out of camera range, Edge blasts Brian with the chair. Blasts, and Roman. And then Roman, and then back to Brian, and then just leaves all pissed off like. So he basically had enough. Yeah. He he had enough. He got tired of, of getting his ass kicked. Yeah, the whole by match. both of them. So like he 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 got fed up and left. And, and then, then where you get the really flat finish of Roman just crawled over, covered Brian, and beat him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't know what... They could have come up with something better than that. I mean, I will appreciate, especially the fact that a chair shot, even if it is two, is what beat a person and then that's how they lost. I'm okay with that because the chair shot's supposed to be deadly. They're throwing out chair shots all willy-nilly over the last <laughs> decade where a guy can get hit 15 times with a chair. And he's fine. And he's fine three minutes later and they're just going, oh, like, oh it's a spot. It's like a kindo stick spot. Like, no. Right. No, it's not. Yeah, like if anything, it would have been better if he did hit him in the head. There was only one guy that was allowed to take 1,900 chair shots and get up somehow, and that was Mick Foley, and that was Mankind. And that's because he was stupid enough to do it. (laughs) Everyone else is like, nah, man, you're going to hit me with like a chair shot to the gut, to the back, to the gut, to the back, to the gut, to the back. All right, then I'm going to hit you with my finish. And then we're going to kick out and go for another 20. <laughs> like, it does, like, it's so, it pisses me off so much that the chair is just as, it's as phony as a football bat. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah, but 
If anything, like, yeah, it would have been more impactful had he actually, like, hit Brian in the head. Like, then I think I could have believed that more. Yeah, he would have got fined. Of course he would have got <laughs> fined. So, like, now after that, you're left with, you're basically left with two threads. One, Brian still made Roman tap out. So he has that in his back pocket. Yep. Two, so, Edge screwed him. So this, you're, you are saying this is going to lead to the triple threat. I don't see a way where you don't have this go to a triple threat. Right. Like, I think it's kind of unavoidable now. Like, I think you, I think this Friday on SmackDown, I'm actually fully expecting Brian to get added to this match. Which, I'm talking about this in the future tense, but when you listen to this, it's probably already happened. Well, it'll be, this will be airing Thursday, so it's one day prior to SmackDown. Ah, so okay. So there you go. I'm, yeah, I'm fully expecting that. So overall, like I said, this pay-per-view, in my opinion, it was fun in some instances, but like for the most part, with a mixture of just flat finishes, bullshit reasoning for matches ending. Or advertised matches that they promised that just didn't happen. Yeah, it's just, uh, like, obviously, so far, this has been... It felt, the, like a, it felt like a chore to get through this This show. was probably the weakest pay-per-view of the year so far from WWE, obviously. Now, whether or not Revolution uh, was worse or not, I mean, some people are really like, what are you talking about? Revolution was so much better, blah, 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 blah. But, like, that exploding ring was so bad. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, man. They, yeah, they created one of the most infamous moments in wrestling history. Yeah. Like that to me will all, that to me might overshadow this whole pay per view. I know. So you know what I mean. Like it's it's kind of kind of tough to say. And I know some people are flipping their shit right now listening to me say that. But be that as it may, we'll have to see what happens when the end of the the year end awards come. Uh, which pay per view eventually will get the nod as worst pay per view of the year. But so far, there's a leading candidate so far for WWE, at least in my opinion. So. Uh, that's going to kind of wrap things up for at least this week uh, here at Schwal Wars. Uh, big thank you again comes out to Yomi Talks for being our sponsor again this week. Uh, big shout out to everyone that's been downloading the podcast leading. We've been having record numbers. It's been fantastic. We really appreciate all the downloads. Uh, we really appreciate all the support as well from a lot of people uh, that has been sending me messages saying how much they've been loving the product lately. So Big thank you as well to every single one of you. Uh, we do this just because it's a lot of fun. And I know there's 16,000 billion podcasts in the world, and we're just kind of hoping and glad that you kind of stick with us during, you know, the pandemic and, you know, obviously soon after or more after that as well is what I'm trying to say. Um, Jordan, you know, of course, you know, you're always saying the same thing, find you on Facebook, find you on the podcast. I'm guessing nothing else has changed. Not currently, no. All right, perfect. <laughs> I'm a simple person. I'm Thanks. a simple man. Next week, uh, like I said, tentatively right now, um, we're going to be talking, um, I believe, if I'm kind of going through my notes right now because I'm an unprepared bastard right now. Ah, there we go. Yes, of course, next week is going to be our uh, tournament edition once again. Uh, it's a really popular format here on the show where we take 16 of a topic, put them in a tournament until there is only one um, and it's been a lot of fun being able to do those lately. Of course, last week we did one where we did the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, broke that down until there was only one winner. Jordan, of course, you were a part of that. But next week, uh, in a special tournament edition showcase, we're going to be taking the top 16 greatest cult classic movies of all time, putting them together, and seeing uh, you know which one we believe is going to be number one. Now, I would like to preface, before you see this list, this is the top 16 picked and chosen by myself, Vander, 
Jordan, and our friend AJ, who apparently is a mysterious ghost who doesn't show up on this podcast, uh, but will hopefully be there for this one. And of course, we have a very special guest that we're going to be announcing within the coming days. Uh, that'll be our special guest enforcer, in shall we say. Hopefully she doesn't... She... I would like to add as a special little uh, hint there. Uh, we'll not get kicked in the face or hit with a chair or anything like that. Or screw me and one of my picks winning. <laughs> uh, so like I said, that's going to be coming next week. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Hayes. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next one.